a little girl asked her mother, where do people come from? Her mother answered, God made Adam and Eve. And they had children. And then grandchildren. And so on and so on. That's how all mankind was made. A couple of days later, the little girl asked her father the same question. Don't laugh yet. The father answered, Many years ago there were monkeys from which the human race evolved from. The confused little girl returned to her mother and said, Mommy, how is it that you told me we were made by God and Daddy said we came from monkeys? The mother answered, Well, dear, it's quite simple. I told you about my side of the family. Your father told you about his. I like that. People have a lot of different opinions and beliefs about a lot of different things, don't they? Even in this room, this morning, people have differing opinions and beliefs on a variety of topics. To include views on Christianity, the church, the Bible, and even Jesus. But that's nothing new. When Jesus walked among people during His earthly ministry, people had a lot of different opinions and beliefs about Him. There were those who absolutely loved Jesus and couldn't get enough of Him. To them, Jesus was a powerful leader, a healer, and a miracle worker, a wise teacher, a wonderful counselor, a defender of the weak. And many thought He was their long-awaited Messiah and Savior. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And once found, people followed Him wherever He went. And then, there were those who quite frankly hated Jesus. The self-righteous 
Jewish religious leaders wanted Jesus gone. Jesus did and said a lot of things that threatened their power and their prestige. He threatened their legalistic stranglehold on the people. And so they conspired to take Jesus out of the picture once and for all. They wanted Jesus dead. And so, it was in the Garden of Gethsemane that Jesus was arrested. He was illegally tried by the religious leaders in the middle of the night in violation of their own laws and found guilty of blasphemy because he claimed to be the Christ, the Son of God. The religious leaders wanted Jesus dead, and so they pressured the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, to carry out their dirty deeds. Jesus was beaten to a pulp, mocked for claiming to be a king, and then sentenced to die by crucifixion. Jesus was forced to carry his cross to a hill called Golgotha. We call it Calvary. And there he was crucified. There he died. As I previously said, people had differing opinions and beliefs about Jesus. Some loved him and followed him, and others hated his guts and wanted him gone. But, there is one belief that they all had in common. There is one belief they all had in common. They all believed that when Jesus died, that was it. He would remain dead. He would remain dead. So with that said, if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 28. It should be on the board behind me. Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. We are told, now after the Sabbath, As it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. Usually, a person who had been crucified by the Romans were taken to the town dump. And the body was disposed of there. However, 
Joseph of Arimathea had connections. And he, with the help of Nicodemus, were able to take the body of Jesus and quickly bury him in a cave used as a tomb. It was a rush job. It was a rush job because the Sabbath was quickly approaching. But they got the job done. The Sabbath was over around 6 p.m. on Saturday evening. So early Sunday morning, just before sunrise, Mary Magdalene and another Mary, and maybe others as well, walked to the tomb. And according to both Mark and Luke, they brought spices. They brought spices so they might properly anoint the body of Jesus for burial. Remember, when Joseph and Nicodemus did it, they were in a hurry. So the women probably felt they had to go back to the tomb, take their time, and do it right. Things never change. <laughs> now obviously, these women loved Jesus. So much so, they were willing to go to the tomb unwrap his body, and prepare him properly. These women believed they would find his lifeless body in the tomb. They believed Jesus was dead, and so did everybody else. Even though Jesus had told His followers on several occasions that He would rise, no one really believed it. No one was hanging around the tomb waiting for Jesus to walk out. No one was camping or sitting in lawn chairs or waiting on beach towels near the tomb waiting for Jesus to be resurrected. No one was waiting for Him. Just like these women, everyone believed that when Jesus died, that was it. He would remain dead. So these women are making their way to the tomb. And according to Mark, they are discussing how they're going to move that stone which is blocking the entrance. The stone would have been very difficult for them to move because of its weight and its size. They knew about the stone. It was a real concern for them. But what they did not know was that guards were posted there. And, the, and the, the tomb had been officially sealed. 
They did not know that. For if they had known that, they would not have come. So they are concerned with the stone. Wondering how they are going to move it. And fortunately for them, before they get to the tomb, their concern is no longer a concern. Matthew tells us, beginning with verse 2, And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothes as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. Upon arriving at the tomb, the women were greeted with a very pleasant surprise. The stone had already been rolled away. They don't know how. They don't know why. But there it is. The stone is rolled away. Now Matthew tells us, an angel whose appearance was like lightning and his clothing was white as snow rolled the stone away with an earthquake and then he sat upon it. He's an angel with an attitude. And just so you know, that stone was not rolled away so Jesus could get out. It was rolled away so others could peek in. And as for the guards, Roman soldiers who were guarding the tomb so no one could get in, well, these soldiers had passed out in fear. And how do we know this? Here is something interesting. Only Matthew, only Matthew mentions these soldiers. And if you recall, before Matthew became a disciple, he was a hated tax collector for Rome. And he would have routinely been in the company of Roman soldiers when performing his duties. Because of his prior connections, I think Matthew apparently had insider information of what really happened at the tomb with the soldiers. And that's why it's included here. So after recovering from their fainting spell, the soldiers get out of there. And the women show up and find the stone had been rolled away. They enter the tomb and find two angels there. But Matthew 
only focuses on the one who is speaking. And beginning with verse 5, we are told, The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here. For He has risen just as He said. Come, see the place where He was lying. Go quickly and tell His disciples that He has risen from the dead and behold, He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see Him. Behold, I have told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. The women who were understandably afraid, and we know this because the angel attempted to calm them down by saying, don't be afraid, knew they were looking for the crucified body of Jesus, and he let them know they had come to the right tomb. They were in the right place, but Jesus was not there. In their minds, there could have been several explanations for the missing body. But the angel quickly narrows it down to only one. Jesus has risen just as he said. The angel tells the women to come and see. See the empty tomb and then to go and tell the disciples who were still in Jerusalem that Jesus will eventually meet them in Galilee. The women were trembling with both fear and great joy, and they ran away to tell the disciples what had happened. Well, according to Luke, chapter 24, verse 11, you got to love this passage, Luke 24, verse 11. Here is the disciples' reaction to this great news that Jesus has risen. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of comical now. But these words appeared to them as nonsense. And they would not believe them. We have to remember that in those days, in the Jewish culture, a very male-dominated culture, the witness of a woman had no weight. No weight. It was discredited by law. And their crazy testimony about a missing body didn't help matters much. 
It was crazy talk. The disciples would not believe them. But to go see for themselves, Peter and John took off and raced to the tomb and they found it to be empty except for the burial cloth. We're told that Peter was left wondering, in amazement, marveling at what happened. It was kind of a head-scratcher for Peter. But we are told John believed. From what John saw, he was able to put it all together and he believed that Jesus was alive but he just couldn't figure out why. At least not yet. And maybe that's why he does not appear to confess his beliefs to the others at this time. Now Mary Magdalene had followed Peter and John back to the tomb. The disciples eventually leave. But Mary lingers for a while. Mary was obviously devoted to Jesus and very upset because she believed still someone had taken away His dead body. In John chapter 20, John chapter 20, beginning with verse 15, while Mary is at the tomb, distraught in disbelief, Jesus appears to her. But she does not recognize Him. Verse 15, Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. At the tomb, Jesus appeared to Mary, and Mary thought Jesus was the gardener. And thinking He was the gardener, she asked if He had removed the body. She still thought Jesus was dead. And she wanted to give him a dignified burial. But when Jesus said her name, Mary, and it must have been in a special way, everything changed. Everything changed. She then realized it was Jesus and He was alive. Mary becomes the first 
to see Jesus risen from the dead. And sometime very soon after that, Jesus appears to the other women who had gone to the tomb and also to two men who are walking on the road to Emmaus. So what happens next? Let's go to Mark chapter 16. Starting with verse 10. She, referring to Mary, went and reported to those who had been with Him while they were mourning and weeping. When they heard that He was alive and had been seen by her, they refused to believe it. After that, He, referring to Jesus, appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking along their way to the country. They went away and reported it to the others, to the disciples, and they did not believe them either. Strangely enough, as a group, these disciples admitted they did not believe Jesus had risen. The tomb was empty. That was confirmed by Peter and John. Mary just reported she saw and talked to Jesus. And these two men who were on their way to Emmaus told them what happened. But the disciples refused to believe. What it says. And need I remind you that these are the ones who lived with Jesus. They were His closest companions. Several times. They heard Jesus say, I will rise again, and yet they did not believe. We pick on doubting Thomas, don't we? But the truth is, as a group, the disciples did not believe Jesus had risen. Now to be fair, they weren't completely unbelieving. For they did believe something. They believed they were the next targets. That's what they believed. We are told in John chapter 20, verse 19, the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. The disciples were in hiding in a secret meeting place, maybe the upper room, for fear of their lives. The doors were shut and locked so no one could get hurt or suffer the same fate as Jesus. 
They saw him beaten to a pulp. They saw him crucified. They saw him die. And even with all these reports, they believed he was still dead. And nothing was going to change their minds. Nothing was going to change their mind, period. End of story. A few weeks later, everything changed and these these same unbelieving and fearful disciples came out of their hiding place and poured into the streets to preach. Now let's consider for a moment, humor me, let's consider for a moment we do not know the rest of the story. Okay? I know that's hard. What would cause this group of frightened and unbelieving disciples to suddenly come out of hiding and flood the streets of Jerusalem. If you know anything about human behavior, it's only reasonable to conclude that something outrageous must have occurred. Something so impactful, something so unimaginable had to have happened to cause that kind of change in their lives. Something had to have happened. In Acts chapter 3, verses 11 through 16, Peter, who was previously intimidated by a slave girl and denied Jesus how many times? Three times. Now speaks publicly to the same people who shouted for the crucifixion of Jesus. Listen to what Peter says to them. While he, and that he is referring to a crippled man who was just healed, okay? while he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them at the so-called portico of Solomon, full of amazement. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, Men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Or why do you gaze at us as if by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, 
the one whom you delivered and disowned in the presence of Pilate when you decided to release him. But you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. But put to death the prince of life, the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses. On the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know. And the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in presence of you all. These same unbelieving disciples who were hiding in fear poured into the streets of Jerusalem. In this case, a miracle was just performed and a crowd gathered in amazement thinking Peter and John were responsible for it. But Peter redirected their focus. And he said to the crowd, and I am paraphrasing here, okay? I'm paraphrasing. You disowned and delivered Jesus who was completely innocent to be crucified. You asked Pilate for the release of Barabbas who was a convicted murderer. Jesus died on a cross and we all know this to be true. It was public. You thought the cross was to be the last word. But there is an empty tomb that says that God has the last word. Jesus is not dead. He lives for we just saw and talked to Him. We saw His pierced hands and feet. We touched Him. And the healing of this crippled man that you just witnessed is only attributed to Jesus. This must have been a difficult thing for Peter to say. For he himself had disowned Jesus three times. But he had seen and heard the risen Savior for himself. He had just been forgiven of everything. And everything changed for him. And that went for the rest of the disciples as well. The reason you and I know anything about Jesus at all is because of the dramatic change 
in these disciples. If there had been no resurrection, you would have never known about Jesus because these men would have simply returned to their old life once it was safe to come out of hiding. But they didn't. In fact, they became fearless, unafraid of what would happen to them, willing to suffer and die because they knew the truth about the resurrected Jesus and they had to share it. Jesus was alive. They saw Him. And to these disciples, He was worth dying for. And that's exactly what happened. Peter was crucified upside down. James, the brother of John, was beheaded. Bartholomew was skinned alive and then beheaded. Andrew, Philip, Jude, and Simon were crucified. The other James was thrown down a temple tower, stoned, and then clubbed to death. Matthew was axed to death. And Thomas was pierced through and burned in an oven. John was tossed into boiling oil and lived. And he is the only one who died a natural death. And here's the thing. It's not so important how these disciples suffered and died. What is important is the fact that without wavering, they were all willing to suffer and die not for what they said they believed, But according to John, they were willing to suffer and die because of what they said they saw and heard. That's different. People will die for all kinds of crazy beliefs. But these disciples, every single one of them, to their dying breaths, claimed to see and hear Jesus who had risen from the dead. Not a single one of them cracked under the pressure when facing death. Not a single one of them made a deal with the authorities to save their own skin. Not a single one of them renounced their faith in Jesus Christ. Not a single one. When Jesus died, Contrary to the belief of everyone. And I mean everyone. 
he did not stay dead. And the dramatic changes in the lives of these disciples proved it. On the cross, Jesus paid for our sins in full. Jesus paid for our sins in full. And the empty tomb is the receipt of payment. A payment, a receipt that explains many things. It confirmed that Jesus is the Son of God, the Christ, the Savior of the world. The empty tomb verified that what Jesus said was absolutely true. Everything. So he can be trusted. But there is something else. The empty tomb answers a very old question. A very old question. In Job... Job chapter 14, verse 14. Job asks this question. If a man dies, will he live again? Even now, that is a question asked by a lot of people. People who may be running from death. People who may have lost a loved one. But from the empty tomb, Jesus answers this question once and for all. His resurrection is proof that there is everlasting life beyond this life. For those who place their faith in Jesus Christ, For those who follow Him in this life, God's grace. God's grace. By God's grace, the hope of eternal life awaits you. D.L. Moody told of a 15-year-old girl who was suddenly hit with an illness that left her paralyzed on one side and almost blind. As she lay in bed one day, she heard the family doctor say to her parents, she has seen her best days. Poor child. But she was a believer. And she quickly responded, No, doctor, my best days are yet to come when I shall see my king in his beauty. Her hope is your hope if your trust is in a risen 
Savior. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for doing the outrageous, the miraculous, the unimaginable. I thank you that Jesus died for us. He made full payment, not a partial payment, full payment for our sin. And you left us a receipt, an empty tomb. And Father, as the, as the hymn we sung said uh, earlier, He also lives in our heart. And we know He lives. Father, I thank You for the dramatic changes that were caused with the disciples who had seen a risen Jesus. And Father, I pray that those kind of changes happen in my life and in the lives of others. Help us to follow You. Help us to surrender to You, to submit ourselves to You, to abide in You. I pray, Lord God, that Your death and resurrection would change everything in our lives. Thank You. In Jesus' name, amen. When Jesus died, everybody, everybody, including the disciples, believed he would stay dead. Right? They had blown it. They had been told by Jesus many times, I'm going to die, but I will rise again on the third day. They had been told this many times, and they did not believe. They blew, they blew it. They blew it. I say all that to say this. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel like you have blown it with God. Completely blown it. He's done with you.
Was Jesus done with his disciples? No. He met them right where they were. Literally. He met them right where they were. He loved them just as they were, but he refused to leave them there. Jesus loves you just as you are. But because he loves you, he refuses to leave you where you are. Maybe you are here this morning and everything I said to you is new. What is he talking about? I wonder that sometimes myself. What am I talking about? Get to know me, you'll understand what I just said. But maybe you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Yeah, maybe you come to church, but it's just going through the motions, that's all. You might know some religious jargon, but you're just going through the motions. There's no real relationship, it's just religious stuff. I would love to introduce you to Jesus Christ so you may know the risen Savior in your life where everything changes. Everything changes. Maybe you're looking for a church home. We'd love to have you. We'd love to have you. Or maybe there's something else. You just need some prayer. You need a hug. Trish is right there. <laughs> She's a hugger. I'm not the hugger. <laughs> However the Lord leads you this morning, trust Him. Step out. Respond to Him. Everything can change in your life. All right.